0: Warning, this episode contains some strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Additionally, the reading on this episode carries content warnings for violence and pervasive gore. So if that's not something you're into, skip ahead about nine and a quarter minutes from the start of the reading and you can bypass all of that. from the trunk, reading the stories that did make it. I'm Hilary B. Bisnyx. Listeners, I am super excited today to introduce my guest, Haley Piper, is the author of many, many horror stories and books, including their just, just Bram Stoker Award nominated Queen of Teeth Haley. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Uh, it's, you know, I, I say this every single time when I have somebody who's like, we were just sort of introduced by a mutual, but it's so much fun to have new people who like, this is my first time meeting them on the show. It's like my little, my little dose of getting strangers to talk to me. <laughs> um, So you're going to be reading from your brand new book, Your Mind is a Terrible Thing. Is there anything we need to know about it before we get started?
1: I don't think so. It's, I mean, it's a space horror book, um, which I I kind of differentiate from sci-fi because I don't feel like there's a lot of, like, science fiction in it. It's just kind of a horror book taking place in space.
0: Nice, nice, nice.
1: But, but, I mean, there's sci-fi, like, bits and pieces, but it's kind of like there's not really any science to it. It's just kind of the way Star Wars is a fantasy story in space. It's kind of like, yeah, nice to me, (laughs) if that makes sense,
0: that makes perfect sense. And uh, I'm excited to talk a little bit more about that after the reading.
1: Okay. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. And there's some violence stuff. I yeah,
0: we'll, I will <laughs> okay. have a, uh, I will have put in a content warning before the show begins.
1: Okay. Um, let's see. All right, so I'm going to be starting from a little into Chapter 1. The bed was empty. Alto set up. Esme? A hollow space in the tangled sheets showed where Esme used to lie. Shadows coated the bed's surroundings, but the dim room hid no one. There was nowhere to disappear, and no light shined beside the shut bathroom door to suggest it was occupied. She had left. The augmentation wasn't a problem, but while Alto had tasted sugar on eager lips, for Esme, the sex must have been terrible. Some new regret on her dance card and a woman so lovely like her kept a long one. She had waited out a politeness for Alto to fall asleep before leaving. Stop, mm. Alto said, tapping their forehead. palm struck skin and an answering tap echoed from the hall esme her boots and coat remained beside the shut bedroom door alto saw no other clothes but esme might not have left only gotten lost in the dark and searched the bathroom and wandered into the hall by accident alto slid from the bed bare feet filling the floors cold checking the hall naked didn't bother them but someone else would find it inappropriate alto had no robe and getting dressed felt like abandoning future closeness with esme when they found her so they drew a sheet from the bed wrapped it around their torso and slipped into the hall Pod Q's dim corridor curved in a ring, its outer circular wall punctuated by shut sliding doors to the slender airlock, four bedrooms, and the exits to Pod P and Pod R. Amber lights dotted the ceiling, their glow catching a shape lying on the dark floor. Someone had collapsed outside Alto's bedroom. Panic flashed in snow squalls through their head until squatting close revealed this was not Esme too narrow, too many pieces scattered along Pod Q's inner circle. As if someone had smashed a glass the size of a person, Pod Q's service wraith lay inches from Alto's toes. Once a living person and then a dormant corpse, some merchant guild facility had later processed it into a calcified husk and fitted cybernetics across its body. In normal circumstances, the black shell of a mask hid the skull face beneath psionic wraith nodes and an interface display a segmented brace-like wraith plate, usually hung to the torso and fused around the spine. This joined the pelvis in forming a snakish tail, easier than legs for the wraith to slide through the small cylindrical wraith ports that connected starship pods. All that complicated fusion lay strewn outside Alta's room. The wraith's spine and tail fizzed and twitched where wires curled between spiny vertebrae. The wraith plate stretched from sternum and pelvis leaving no support for the body. A heavy blow had cracked open the Wraith's mask, leaving its nodes to dangle like blinking fruit from a vine. One black socket peered through the shattered darkness, a glimpse of the Wraith's skull. Alto stroked the mask, but no interface lit the display. Out of commission, somehow even the dead could die again. The Wraith nodes looked undamaged. Had the Wraith sent a psionic cry for help to grid the Jacket's AI? Would a machine even understand the level of self-preservation? Doubtful one would harm itself by running against the walls, and even then it would have made such a racket as to wake everyone in pod queue. This damage was deliberate. But who would hurt a wraith? They were defenseless, core to their design. Soft skin brushed the floor somewhere down the hall. Alto pivoted on their heels, still squatting, about to open their mouth and ask again for Esme. Their breath caught in a choked gasp. The ceiling lights reflected in the glistening surface of a nest of maroon snakes. They writhed against the walls and floor, growing out from a dark lump hidden in the gloom. Their heads whipped toward Alto. No, not snakes. These were hollow tubes, as if someone's intestines had been torn out, cut into pieces, and given new life. Alto slid back on one heel and thrashed one protective hand outward. Their choked gasp broke into a squealing cry as a purple-lit curtain of pain fell over their eyes pod q shrank to a bruise colored hallway and filled with silhouetted figures dashing in a furious circle they were people and they weren't people and alto couldn't tell why or how that made any sense one shape swerved from the pack and slammed into alto's chest knocking them off balance their backs struck pod q's cold floor their sheet flopped over their body and the purple curtain parted from the dim hall what Alto started, but their voice caught in another gasp. The tubes slapped up Alto's legs over the sheet across their pelvis. The augmentation shut between their legs almost on reflex, terrified these tubes might try to crawl inside. Beyond their feet, the dark lump at the tube's root slid into clearer light, and at last a sharp scream rocketed up Alto's throat. Wrinkled pink gray flesh curled into a great pulsating brain as large as Alto's chest. Crimson ichor dripped from its underside, where it balanced on the snaking tubes, and thick drops spotted the floor with tiny red puddles. A quake rippled down its limbs, spattering the sheet with slime and sending the tubes coiling and digging at Alto's skin. Alto thrashed their hands to either side. Fingers fell on the shattered wraith's broken mask, and Alto plucked it up as a makeshift bludgeon. But the wraith had been smashed too hard against the floor. Its mass collapsed around crumbling bone as Alto swung forward and they only raised a dangling wire of nodes against the feral brain and its furious limbs. The brain's front wrinkles flexed with bicep-like tension and a shockwave of purple light filled the hallway. Alto plummeted down a dim maroon chasm. Wind rushed through their choppy hair and swatted their eyes to tears. They rushed towards some surface, about to splatter meat and bone across an unforgiving floor. They were going to die, except Alto wasn't falling, wasn't here. The yellow jacket had not cracked open over a steel canyon. Some violent thought had driven this purple vision into Alto's mind. Even the airy swirl in their ears carried a false hum, and it somehow sounded purple, too. The vision's ground flew at Alto's face, and they flinched back into the real hallway of Pod Q, where the brain hovered over Alto's chest, its tubes lashing at neck, face, eyes. Alto thrust their hand over their face, needed to stop this, couldn't let this brain dig inside. An electronic ping rang through Alto's face. They had forgotten that their fists still clutched the wire of nodes. Had the race come back online? Could it function enough mm. that a cry for help would spread through the ship? Another scream tore up Alto's throat as an icicle of wire jammed into their forehead Starships tended to be cold, but Alto had never felt this frigid intrusion drill through their skin, muscle, skull, seeking and finding their nerves and thoughts as if Alto's mind were a physical organ to be torn open and catalogued. And the violent brain was here too. It grasped at the floor on twisting tubes and lurched toward eyes, brain, and thought it wanted in. Alto screamed one last time. The freezing pain cut forward from their skull as if they'd grown a unicorn horn of ice. Flashing violet rippled down the hallway, across wreath parts and writhing tubes into the oncoming brain. The new vision stretched away from Alto, as if they were watching it on a screen rather than being thrust into dreaming it. The walls to either side of the brain spread into a cracked open starship, its only pod gutted into one vast steely amphitheater housing a violent-tinged cathedral gore. Shattered bones formed its structure, inflated corpses dressed its skin. The sight should have iced Alto's blood. But Alto had suffered the worst chill in their life moments ago, and this pretend idea couldn't freeze them up. It belonged to them, a prize from inside the brain. They drove the vision sword-like, thought against thought, numb purple falling beneath Alto's sharp violet. The illusory cathedral tore away, revealing Pod Q's hallway. Red patterns stained Alto's sheet, but neither tubes nor brain dripped new puddles onto the cloth. Down the hall, shuddering limbs carried the huge brain away. Thicker slime now dribbled from its underside and black fluid rotted across its frontal lobe before its dark lump squeezed through a hole in the wall, a floor-level wraith port. A thumping echo said the brain traveled the channels between ports now, maybe seeking another wraith to destroy. It could wind up on any pot of the yellow jacket through there, but at least it had gone from here. Alto sat up shaking. The sheet flopped from their naked chest, and they threw it off and patted down their skin, searching for anything unsavory the feral brain might have left behind. Only scraps here or indent marks there were tubes coiled around a bare ankle. Nothing but lingering traces. Everything should have been fine, except Esme was still missing. Bigger than that, had screamed several times and no one had answered. Anxious needles pricked their spine and their breath charged in and out. They had survived the creature,
0: had anyone else? Whew. That was intense. <laughs> oh, I love, I love having horror authors on, uh, and I also am very glad that like I normally record during the daytime, <laughs> because as much as I love horror, there's like a certain time past which. I really shouldn't be consuming horror in the day.
1: Yeah, I hear you.
0: Um it's, it's a whole different thing for actually writing the horror. I can write the horror whenever I want to.
1: Yeah. No, I understand. I'm usually a morning writer, so I don't usually have to worry about it as much. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I uh my my typical writing hours are usually like after Four or five PM, something like that, and uh, you know, during Nano it's like all bets are off. Just get the words down every day. Um, so, one of my uh, one of my perennial questions, because this is Tales from the Trunk, uh, is: Do you have any favorite bits of your mind is a terrible thing that you had to leave out of the final draft?
1: Thankfully, no, actually. Um, This one came together pretty smoothly. Um, And when I got it back from edits with the publisher, um, we really just made tiny little, like, you know, just kind of functional changes here and there Mm -hmm. as far as, like, you know, a word here, a grammatical, like a typo, you know, those kinds of things. But there really weren't developmental edits for this one so much.
0: Oh, that's exciting.
1: I kind of just... I kind of just went at it with. Uh, how did this go? So the the um the former editor of the pub at Off Limits Press uh kind of approached me about this and was just like, "This isn't word for word, but it's pretty much mm-hmm. like the spirit of the conversation." You should write a space horror, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, "Are you kidding me? I'm so busy." And like, uh, like just coming at me out of nowhere. But <laughs> so then I thought about it and I was like, well, if I did do it, I want it to be like, not super realistic. Like, I don't want to have to worry about like what, what, how things would actually go. I want to just like mm-hmm. throw in artificial gravity, which like, that's a thing I don't think will ever exist. But I don't want to, I didn't want to do it based on what I think really reality is. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I want there to be cyberpunk elements that I want there to be like, you know, body modifications i want there to be like these like undead things that are kind of cyborgs i want there to be psychic stuff i want there to be just all kinds of weird space stuff um and i just i got i threw it all in it it all it all worked out it all it all got in
0: that's fantastic uh i i know that feeling uh of like well i don't want to do this but if i did and you uh, get excited we, about it. hmm We <laughs> ended up, uh, uh, one of our cats, my spouse, was, like, working at the, uh, volunteering at our local shelter and sent me a video of this kitten and was like, we should get a kitten. And I was like, no, no, we shouldn't get a kitten. But if we did, I know exactly what we would name him. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, oh, wait, no, we we have a kitten now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um so it it really sounds like you got to throw a lot of just your favorite things into this uh do you have one specific thing without being spoilery or without being too spoilery anyway that you would say is like your favorite thing you got to uh put in this book
1: um it's hard to say but i mean there definitely there's a lot i love like I mean I just that's pretty much just what I filled it with but like um one mm-hmm. thing I'm glad is there is um Alto the main character um kind of uh they chose to have certain like body modifications done oh, essentially uh-huh. and so and it is like some of its futury stuff that I'm just like well it'd be cool if this existed but mm-hmm. other stuff is is more like it is like a trans element um mm-hmm just because I, I felt like, and it's not good because it's still the future as far as like debt is concerned, mm-hmm. which feels like like we don't get away from that in the future of this story. But nonetheless, it's, it's something that they wanted. And that's very like strong in this. There's a point where some of the psychic stuff is affecting their memory. And mm-hmm. they get angry because like they remember after, after the surgery to have these you know these modifications for transition that they were very they're elated um Mm -hmm. about it and how dare this psychic bullshit like try to (laughs) try to mess up those memories and try Uh to make them them horrible when it was such a, a euphoria for them
0: yeah i uh i'm really glad that even in the um like, there were hints at this even in the uh, excerpt that you read. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, I really feel like cyberpunk and horror, and, like, specifically, like, if we're getting into body horror, but really any horror and any cyberpunk is, like, belongs to or should belong to us as trans people,
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think we should just go for it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and just like, you know, what's, what is the point of cybernetic enhancements? You know, if we can't mold our bodies the way we want them to be.
1: Right. And I, and that was the things that was important to me. Like, I feel like a lot of the time in, 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 in a lot of cyberpunk things, like there's some element of like, isn't this cool, but also there's kind of like, this is the downfall like are we actually human anymore etc mm-hmm. etc and i'm just like well to hell with that like i wanted uh-huh. this to be presented as a positive thing even when it's stuff that isn't like going well because it's a horror story things go badly it's still like the, the modifications are helping alto get through this
0: Hmm. yeah
1: like i want it to be unlike. On uh, what's the word? Unambiguously positive that this is a good that this is fine. There's nothing wrong with that with people mm-hmm. doing this.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I mean you know horror is is quite often allegorical, and this is a, a really you know positive allegory. Especially you know we're talking about this on like at the end of February 2022 when there's so much terrible stuff going on. With you know legislation around trans bodies, around queer bodies, and
1: right.
0: as like no, getting to be trans and be authentically yourself is good. Actually, yeah. Um, I'm I, yeah I I I will just beat this drum endlessly that uh, <laughs> you know, trans horror is good actually, and uh, you know transhumanism is not the end of the human race or anything like that. It's actually just metal as fuck.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: um, so, you know, this is the Stoker nominations just came out this week. Can you talk to us a little bit about Queen of Teeth, which just got a nomination for Outstanding, uh, whatever the category is, Outstanding First Novel. It's
1: Achievement in First Novel, I think is how they word it. Yeah, um, that thing yeah <laughs> um yeah so queen of teeth and my novelette um recitation of the first feed- feeding were both uh nominated for stokers this week um
0: so exciting
1: yeah queen of teeth is um how to how to <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard book to summarize outside the beginning it's just that this woman discovers she has teeth in her vagina and <laughs> um it it escalates because she's kind of in a it's not quite our world it's very similar but it's like it's the like the the branching point like time-wise is that nancy reagan becomes president in 1988 instead of oh. uh george bush senior mm-hmm. um and then just everything's different after that it's just like not everything but a lot of things are different um like right. the different there was a virus out uh, like in the late eighties, early nineties, that kind of just affected uh, a lot of pregnant people. Um, it, it affected the, um, ugh, I'm so bad with words today. Uh, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the words the, are unimportant, right? Like it affected like, um, reproduction and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so that a lot, there is a group of people who, um, were starting to become twins, and then ended up devouring their twin in the womb, um, mm. cellular, um, and so end up having two different sets of DNA, which is a thing that happens, but not on such a wide scale as in this story. Right. Um, and so the company that is responsible for that virus argues that because of the different DNA sequences existing because of what they did, they should own half of those people's DNA. Those people are called chimeras. and they win that case so um this woman yaya has to submit to medical inspections every month and part of and she's worried that one of the injections she got at one of these is the cause of her vagina tentata um which then becomes a bigger problem as she avoids another inspection and then the uh agents of this corporation are after her while her mutation is starting to grow horns and teeth and a mind of its own while also she's kind of um in this sort of relationship that's might might it's kind of a loose relationship that might lead to something more with this uh woman who works for that corporation Mm -hmm. um so it's it's a horror it's a weird sci-fi horror romance
0: very cool very very cool Congratulations again on the double stoker. That Thank is you. I am uh dare I say I am stoked for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I w- I want to tell people that it's just like if you um like a-, a book about two lesbians and a vagina monster in a horror romance <laughs> for a stoker. Don't let anyone tell you your idea is too weird, especially not yourself.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I mean the like the The lasting theme of this show is don't self-reject, and that is absolutely, you know, do not self-reject your ideas before you get them on paper, even right.
1: I had to I had and I had to keep reminding myself of that while I was writing it, um, God, has it been two years now? <laughs> Holy crap. Um, yeah,
0: <sighs> time is fake.
1: I know. Um I had to keep a post-it note beside me the whole time that was just every time that I started to get nervous about something with it. It was pretty much just like be brave. Let it be weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Like how I was like, remember, remember if, if, if Guillermo del Toro can win two Oscars for the shape of water, like it's okay to write this weird vagina monster book. Yep. Um, yep. And just like, so I just kept, kept at it. And I ended up just like throwing in, everything i mean there was stuff that got left out of that i told people before there's like a hundred pages of that that didn't Mm -hmm. aren't in the manuscript aren't in the book um and a lot of it's just alternative events it's not things that could coexist with the events of the book there was one dream sequence that i was sad to lose but um yeah but like i the the publisher was right we we needed to (laughs) it had to go it was it was it was it was too wild for where it was it was going to rob the power of the following scene and but then after that it was just going to be kind of pointless
0: oh uh-huh
1: so it's just one of those things where it just couldn't work um yeah,
0: that that happens sometimes it does
1: it, but... does it does um it was a fun it was a fun little page but it it just had to go unfortunately yeah. Um, and the good news
0: is you got to write it. You got to experience it. Oh,
1: yeah. I, I, that's funny because that's the only page of that book that my wife read. And it was her <laughs> fate. Like, she was just like, oh, I love this so much. It's so fun. And it's just like, it had to go.
0: Oh, no.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just like, be weird. Do your weird thing. I know that um, publishing can sometimes be very nervous about stuff. But mm-hmm. you, can, you, you won't know until you do it. And it really... It's made way worse to keep it locked inside you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I I'm going and getting a tattoo this afternoon. And I'm kind of like, maybe I should say, you know, well, I mean, while you're here, can you just say, be brave, let it be weird? <laughs> just, like, write that on my arm or something? <laughs> so, before we go... Is there anything that you've been reading, watching, listening to that you're super amped up about, and you want to let other people know about, uh, so that you can mutually squee?
1: <laughs> uh let's see. Oh my God! I mean, we, I, uh, I'm so late to things. Sometimes I only just watched *Tales from the Hood* this oh, uh-huh. week, like this week, and I'm like, that was so imaginative. Like, that's so good like it's like uh I think it's an early 90s movie
0: Mm but in thought horror anthology
1: movie it's like four stories with a wraparound story but it's like it was it was like I want to see more imagination like that nowadays Mm -hmm. because I feel like I think I feel like a lot of stuff is just like in movies it's just a lot of ghosts and possession Mm
0: -hmm. and I want to see more
1: wild stuff um but like that was cool um what have I been reading? I just finished something that was really—I finished *Disappearing um, House* by Ali Melanenko. It comes out later this year. i, I blurbed blurb that.
0: Oh, nice. Um, it's
1: a middle-grade horror book, but it is—it is. Um, if, I hope she won't be upset if I talk about it a little bit because she's <laughs> talked about it on Twitter, and so I'm not saying anything she hasn't already said. But it's—it's about—it's um, about this twelve-year-old girl who, when she was seven, she was diagnosed with cancer and Mm -hmm. at this point she's clear but it's kind of just always hazy about whether something's going to come back or not and just kind of about how she's living and her mother with her relation to her mother and like people she's she knows in this new town and then suddenly this house appears at the end of the cul-de-sac and the house has to do with like her trauma stuff it's it's very much a Mm, a trauma related book but it is so beautiful. I had to put it down at one point and just like have a cry because it was just so good and so empowering. And just like I think that when that book comes out, whether you're an adult or you know an adolescent, you should read it.
0: Mm-hmm. I I uh, am going to be when I assemble the show notes for this. I am going to be putting that down in my TBR.
1: Awesome. That sounds amazing. And then I'm looking forward to. Um a lot i'm looking forward to yeah. um like the fervor by amakatsu that's coming out in april mm-hmm. which is um uh she's she does historical horror like um the hunger which i believe was nominated for a stoker about the the donner party and then she oh, had yeah the, yeah the deep which was about the titanic and its sister ship that i cannot remember at the moment
0: oh uh the lusitania, I think. The
1: lusitania? okay i don't remember <laughs>
0: I mean, that was a ship during that time. I don't know if that was I, the might, one was or like if that was a World War I thing. the or the
1: Atlantica or something like that. I don't remember.
0: It'll be in the show notes. Yeah, yeah,
1: okay. That's a problem <laughs> for one, future Hillary. Her new one, The Fervor, is um, is about um the uh, camp, the internment camps that Japanese Americans were put into during World War Two. Oh,
0: uh-huh.
1: Um, so, like, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, in not horror um oh i can't i don't have the author down uh wrath goddess sing um Mm. which is like if achilles was a trans woman during the um, during the trojan war so i'm looking forward to that
0: i think i'm very into that
1: maya is her name i i wish i had this down because i follow we follow each other on twitter and now i'm embarrassed (laughs) Uh, It'll
0: be in the show notes.
1: I know, but if she <laughs> listens to this, I'm going to feel bad.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, we mutually apologize.
1: There's so much stuff that I'm... Like, there's a lot of amazing sounding stuff coming out this year that I'm just looking forward to a lot um, that I will not have time to read all of it, of course. But, you
0: mm-hmm. know, it's
1: just... It's it's nice. It's nice to have so much stuff that... So many good books that are coming out. Um, yeah. I think
0: we live in a golden age
1: yeah and i mean not to judge anything but i feel like on some level some other mediums are kind of dropping the ball a little bit so it's nice mm-hmm. to have books to fall back on for all the neat stuff that that they can offer
0: mm-hmm uh and you also have another release coming oh, out right. in late
1: 2022 jeez <laughs> i was just all i was all weepy about it yesterday and now like i couldn't even remember to, to mention it um, yes. Um, so, uh, Your Mind is a Terrible Thing, which I read from earlier, comes out on May 7th, um, which will be right before StokerCon. Um, Perfect. So, if anyone... I was right. Maya Dean is the author of Wrath Goddess Thing. Okay. Good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, anyway. So, <laughs> Your Mind is a Terrible Thing comes out the week before StokerCon, so, or the weekend before StokerCon. So, um, mm-hmm. And if people bring their copy. I'll sign it. Like they bring whatever, if they, if I've written something in it, I'll sign it. It's anthology Mm -hmm. or whatever. (laughs) If it's one of my books, but that comes out May 7th. And then on September 20th, No Gods for Drowning comes out. And that is my horror mystery, noir, dark fantasy novel. Um, It's my largest book yet. Um, That's coming out from Polis Books, which is about a, uh, it's, it's hard to describe. there's a serial killer the the gods have abandoned this place and the serial killer is trying to bring them back through these ritual killings and um these oh, detectives cool. are trying to figure out what's happening and find the killer. but um it, things escalate beyond that just like whether this is possible to the point that there may be some bigger plot happening here and they're trying to figure out like what is going on, which God might be coming back, who might be actually behind all this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, that's coming out September 20th. And I have a bunch of stories in anthologies and stuff. Um, Other Terrors is coming out in July. And that's, um, gets to be on that with, uh, I'm in that with uh, Stephen Graham Jones and S.A. Cosby. And, on the oh. Cosby and just, it's it's a loaded TOC. I'm very I'm very honored to be on the TOC with that. Um, trying to think of what the next thing coming out is oh the book of queer saints is coming out next month oh nice Um, eric laraca um myself eric raglan um joe coke like a bunch of awesome people are on that and it's all like queer stories by queer authors about queer villains
0: nice well listeners if you're into any of that then i beg of you populate your pre-orders populate your tbrs uh it's every year's a good year for books this year is going to be an amazing year for books <laughs> uh where can our listeners find you Haley?
1: i'm at www.haleypiper.com and then on twitter i'm at hayley piper says and on instagram i'm at hayley piper fights
0: fantastic well uh listeners do give Haley a follow a plus would recommend uh, Haley. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute delight.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great. I, it was a little nervous reading the, the book because um, we're just finishing up with the audiobook mm-hmm. recording. And so I've already heard someone who's a professional do this like way, way better than I can. So it's just like, oh, there's no way to follow in that. But I guess oh, my, no. my reading will come out first. And then Laura mm-hmm. Lockwood will blow that out of the water uh, after the print book comes out.
0: <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, it's nice to have a preview here. Oh, Thanks. <laughs> uh, thank you so much once again.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> Listeners, stick around later this month when our guest will be Lillian Boyd. Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. Our theme music is Paper Wings by Lillian Boyd. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Twitter at trunkcast, and I tweet at H.B. Bisniaks. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject.